What's up, guys? You're listening to episode five of Hashtag RailPod with me, Victoria Garrick. Today's guest is, drumroll please, the queen of confidence, Serena Kerrigan, popularly known as SFK, which stands for Serena F and Kerrigan. And now we usually don't curse here at Hashtag RailPod, but this is a part of Serena's brand and her fearless attitude, so I want to embrace everything that is SFK. Hopefully, after getting to know her too through this episode, you guys will appreciate and be inspired by her I'm a do me attitude regardless of what others think of her. I was certainly inspired by it. Serena is a producer and host at Refinery29 in New York City. She interviews and writes on celebrities near and far and also is making her mark on women leading by example by being unapologetically herself. And I am so ready for you guys to hear this episode starting right now. So happy to have you on Hashtag Real Pod. I know you're so busy. You're here interviewing all the celebrities. You're a big deal. And Stop. I'm happy because one of my followers actually sent me a profile and was like, you need to check out Serena Kerrigan. I love her. She's so confident. She's so awesome. She loves watching your snap stories. And so you're definitely making an impact with young girls through your Instagram. If you didn't already know that. Thank you. That's so sweet of you to say. I mean, the fact that I'm in LA doing a podcast to me, I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> I feel like I feel very cool. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. And I'm especially happy to have you here because I think a theme and a conversation that I've been hearing a lot from followers, from girls online is confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is the perfect interview because you are the queen of confidence. (laughs) So I'd love to talk about your journey with confidence Mm -hmm. and kind of your development of your SFK, Serena F and Kerrigan vibe, Mm -hmm. which I love. Are we allowed to curse? Yes, we can. We can curse with your name maybe. Yeah. But then like keep it. scale back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, okay. So where did SFK come from? So, I mean, I think that I have always been really, I, I, I've been very extroverted my entire life, but I think when I entered college and I left high school, high school is obviously such a place where everyone's insecure, super insecure. Right. And you don't really realize it at this time because you're so in it. Um, but when I went to Duke, it was a whole new experience and I got there the first day and I remember I was hanging out with these girls and everyone was super nice, but they all like knew everyone already and they knew where what bar to go to and like they just it, it was they felt very already like kind of in the zone of everything and I remember feeling like wow like I'm usually someone who's super outgoing and knows what's up I know I don't know what's going on so you went to Duke knowing no one you were just fish out of water I went to Duke getting in the day I graduated high school so I literally like I didn't even know what Duke was I just knew that when I got in it was this one was gonna go to my parents wow. were like you're going to Duke and I was like okay <laughs> and it ended up being the best experience of my life but I very much went fish out of water I like didn't have a roommate picked out like I had you know like it was all very like kind of like okay like throw you in the deep end which is totally my vibe right and I feel like it's hard to be yourself in that moment because you want to be invited you want to be a part of the group so you're trying to think like okay what should I do now my first week to be like them right and also like it's an amazing opportunity college you get to reinvent yourself like who am I gonna be but I felt really insecure because also all my friends are brilliant um, and I had a lot of friends from New York that were there, so I knew them already, but like they're really, they were gorgeous and they were really thin and like, very, like compared to me, I've always kind of been like more of a curvier, voluptuous yeah. girl, but I remember like, you know, the first night we went to Shooters, which is like the bar there and all my friends like made out with boys that night, except for me. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, when I was in college, I really did feel like my validation came from attention from men, which I'm sure every girl can relate to. Yeah. Um, and so, and especially in that environment, it was like a really, uh, a hookup culture. So when I would leave the bar, not with someone and like, it's so crazy to think about because it's like, even if I did leave with someone, maybe they're not even that great. Right. But it's like the, if I didn't, I would feel, I would totally take it personally. And so maybe the first week of Duke, I was like, hi, um, I'm Serena fucking Kerrigan. And I did it because I was like, okay, how am I going to get people to remember me, know me? How can I make an impact? How can I grab their attention? And it really was a crutch for me. Like, I didn't think of it then as like, oh, I'm going to be confident and use this. And like, like as my, it's like, gonna, yeah, it right. very much was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. So like, I'm just going to try this. And it worked. I mean, people were like, who does she think she is? People were ru- totally rubbed the wrong way. Um, but a lot of people kind of were like, respect, like <laughs> that's kind of cool, you know? And I would, I literally like lied. And I said that and my parents let me, you know, I changed it when I was 18 and my parents were pissed, but like they let me do it anyway. Like ridiculous. I love it. And that's not true at all. Not true at all. I have a beautiful middle name. It's Amelie. It's French. <laughs> it's Sack or the initials, which is hilarious. So, but SFK became definitely like a persona. And then I started to find out how I could kind of bring that persona to life on my Instagram. So you would see pictures of me and comments and captions that very much evoked like, I'm the shit, you know, like, and I don't care what you think. A very like F you personality and persona. And this, I'm guessing, wasn't a quick jump. It wasn't your first week, then your second week. You This evolved for you. I know, at least for me, my freshman year, the boy thing is huge. And it's not even like we want the boys, but it's you get to this bar and all of a sudden you're you're like, oh my God, every single girl here is stunning. Mm-hmm. And they're all dressed up to the nines. Mm-hmm. They're all this. And then when a guy's not giving you attention, you're like, what what's wrong with me? A hundred percent. But I think it is so important I think the nights that we do go home crying, like, we're not the hottest, we're not whatever, I think those nights are so important. I tell all my friends who are in relationships who are uh, dependent on, like, a, a, a partner, I'm mm-hmm. like, you need to go home crying, feeling like you were rejected by everyone, to start a relationship with yourself, mm-hmm. where you start realizing, okay, like, I don't need that, why is that affecting me that way? Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you started having a dialogue like that with yourself. I literally on my phone. I have videos of me talking to myself on my phone and sobbing in tears. In just college. for you to have. Literally. Just because I felt really, really low. And a lot of people don't even know that because, again, I was putting out this, like, really, like, I'm I'm so cool. I'm trying not to curse as much as I can. Like, I'm so cool. I'm, like, everything. Like, I feel great. I don't need you vibe. Because I was kind of rejecting everyone before they could reject me. That was the mentality. Wow. And not that I was aware of that. This comes much later now that I've like gone to therapy and have some yes. self-awareness. Oh my God, therapy is the best. I felt like I was going in and this woman who barely knows me after two minutes of talking to me is like, you do everything because you want to achieve. And I'm like, oh my God, that's yeah. my life story. Totally. And I've been in therapy since I was seven years old. I'm a huge activist, like, mm-hmm. a, like advocate of we it. We just watched your taboo therapy video. That was amazing. Thank you. That was so cool. It made it so normal. Mm-hmm. And I thought everything they said was so true. Especially one part said, you don't need to have an illness or something, a trauma. Mm -hmm. It's literally a person who can hear your issues and give you educated advice. And they're so unbiased. A hundred percent. And I think it's just, you know, everything you do in life is connected. The way that you were brought up, a relationship you might have had when you were younger, a little event 
will affect you when you're in your 20s and your 30s and 40s. Um, I've been in therapy since I was seven years old. Like my parents are in therapy. In New York especially, it's very normalized for the most part in in some cultures. Um, And I'm just like, if you're going to work out at the gym, why wouldn't you give your mental health a workout? Why wouldn't you focus Mm -hmm. on that? And every time I leave, I'm like, oh my God, like that was amazing. I've like learned so much about myself. And, you know, it's really sad that we, you know, stigmatize it so much. And we're like, ooh, she's in therapy. She must have something going on. But it's like we all have shit that we have going on. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I think the moments you go to therapy and the ones that are hard where you're crying and you leave feeling like an absolute open wreck and you're like, okay, now I got to home and just sit with this. Mm. That's so important for growth. Absolutely. And that's something I think a lot of people are scared of is what are my inner demons? What are the things I was raised with? My relationship with my family or, or whoever. And you need to go there. Of course, because don't you want to be the best version of yourself? Like, don't you want to... You live on this earth once, for all we know. Why not be the happiest, most confident, most self-aware person you could be? Like, why not try? Yeah, it's going to suck along the way. But, like, nothing in life that's amazing comes easy. You have to put in the work, right? Whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you know, how you feel about your body. Like, whether it's your job. Like, nothing is easy. Nothing is handed to you. So... So you have this persona of SFK that you're starting to develop. When did you finally feel or start to feel like that was becoming you and you weren't just putting it on and then going home thinking this is a front? When was that you? So it's interesting. My friends started getting really sick of the SFK thing in college, like when I was maybe sophomore or junior. Um... Because especially one of my best friends, Maddie. Also, for people listening, I okay, I totally stalked you. Got to do my work as the host. I would hope so. But I saw that it was such a thing that on Yik Yak, people oh. at your school were like, "Yo, SFK is at this bar. SFK is mm. here." So she was for sure a campus celebrity. Okay, continue. Before I was the queen of confidence, <laughs> I called myself the queen of Duke, and people were like, "What?" And I was like, "Just go with it. Just go with it." Um, but yeah, my friends at some point. Um, especially one who's my best friend. And I think a lot of the time when we talk about confidence, I think it's so important to find a friend that's like, or your tribe that lifts you up when you're not feeling great. And this girl, Maddie, she's one of my best friends, has been for a long time, but she always was the one where I was like, I feel really shitty about myself. And she'd be like, no. And like, she would really help me get out of that. So that's my one piece of advice too. If you're not feeling great, find that person that can lift you up. And cut out the people that put you down. Amen. And that was something in high school I didn't realize how toxic my friend group was in high school and how I felt really bad about myself because of a lot of the girls that I was hanging out with. But it's tough in high school because you go from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? If you're on a sport, like you're there and like you can't, there's not as much like freedom to find different friends. Where in college, it's like you don't like someone, you literally don't have to ever, ever see them. Ever see them. And then same with your adult life. So high school is a tricky place to kind of find that. But anyway, she started saying to me, like, you have to stop with the SFK thing. Like, stop. Like, you don't need to do it. It just comes off so abrasive. It comes off so much. Like, you're Serena. Introduce yourself as Serena. And I couldn't do it. I could not do it for a very long time. Did you kind of agree with her? Or were you like, no, I, I like it? I knew what she was saying. And I had I, my some of my guy friends say, like, you know you're never going to, like, date someone if you're SFK. Like, it's it's going to rub guys the wrong way. And I was just like, I literally don't care. Then you don't want those guys. Then I don't want those guys. And that's exactly how I felt. Um, but obviously people around me were realizing that it was a crutch. And I wasn't there. I wasn't ready to let it go. Like, I, I really felt so much confidence saying, I'm Serena fucking Kerrigan. Like, I loved that mm-hmm. feeling. I felt like I evoked so much power. Um, and I grabbed attention. So... I kept doing it and it wasn't until I went on a birthright trip last year to Israel for 10 days where I realized that it was the first time, and this is two years out of college, that I went on the trip, knew no one on the trip except for my best friend Maddie who's with me, 
And I said, hi, I'm Serena. And I just didn't say I'm SFK. And of course it came up at some point because I went on my Instagram and they figured it out. (laughs) But it really was, I realized, I was like, oh, wow, like I didn't need to say that. And everyone likes me. Wow. Shocker. And it's because I think that in the time since college and then and now, I really do love myself. So I don't need that crotch anymore. And it's all over my Instagram, so it's there anyway. So you said you finally love yourself, which is huge. And it's how old? You're 20... 25. 25. Okay, love it. So I think a lot of like, at least for me, my mom and uh, my mom's friends are like, I can't believe you are you guys are 25, 22 and you love yourselves and you feel like you're there and mm-hmm. you're not going through that when you're 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did... Did you feel like there was a point where you thought, I'm not thinking about myself in like a healthy, positive way or I'm kind of my worst enemy in my head and I need to change that and start loving myself? Was that in a conscious decision mm-hmm. or no I mean I've been feeling insecure I was feeling insecure about my body since I was going through puberty I remember like saying to my mom like I don't look like some of my friends like I have a little tummy like I have I'm just a bigger bone girl like I just like I I've, I knew that I mean at some point when you're young you you start comparing yourself to other people mm-hmm. and I think that I'm yeah. do you remember the moment that that happened for you the moment because I can remember one time I was 11 and someone said you look really lean and I thought, what is lean? Mm-hmm. And then I and I started looking at my body differently from a comment when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I can't remember how old I was, but I was really young. I remember like standing in front of the mirror crying to my mom. And I was like, I really don't like my body. And she was like, your body is going through changes. You're going through puberty. And like, you're beautiful. And she actually hung up shower curtains in my bathroom that said, I love myself, naked <sighs> and happy. Yeah, like me, me, me. Like what really. An angel. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that it's really important to have you know, to raise your kids, like telling them that they are beautiful and perfect and they are the way they are. And it's really unfortunate that a lot of people, a lot of friends that I know have moms that are like, don't eat that. Like you're looking a little big or whatever. And that's really just the worst thing you can do. So I was so lucky that I grew up in a household that I was really like nurtured in that respect, but it didn't matter because when I went to school, I remember I went to camp, I went to sleepaway camp and a kid said like, you're fat. And I was like, what? Like it was so so hurtful and it really just like it rocked my world and then I think unfortunately what happened was that after that I would look through validation through you know male attention to feel good about myself to be like oh no I am hot I am sexy I am worthy of someone's attention and that can be really destructive because that's not intimacy like you know having sex with someone isn't like an intimate relationship it's just sex unless you actually are speaking and go on a date and have that so it took me a long time to figure out that like, and after college, I think that when you leave college and you start going into your career, that is, that validation I have from killing it in my career, I started to realize I don't need that. From, I don't need, that validation is so fulfilled there that I don't need it with a man, you mm-hmm. know? And that's why like, I was just in a relationship recently and I broke up with the guy and he was the sweetest guy in the world, but I was like, right now I just want to do me. I'm so happy doing me. I only want to do what I want to do and I don't need the validation from you, so... The last uh, girl I had on, Katie, she's great, was saying she's been single for months. First time in her life she's really been single. She's like, I'm kind of afraid because I'm loving it so much. Like, I don't think I ever want anyone. That's so funny. I literally, I had that. I was on a podcast recently. I kind of said the same thing. I was like, I hope that I'm like, you know, I... I think that's the best thing ever that you can do for yourself is to be happy with just you and then you'll find the right person. You know what I mean? But you, so many, I mean, I'm, I'm starting a series at Refinery29, uh, which is where I work um, and it's called Ask Serena and I basically help girls to feel more confident about themselves and in any area of their life, whether it's they want to nail an interview or go to the beach in a bikini, like I'll kind of be their cheerleader and like connect them and, you know, coach them through it. Um, 
And I put out a casting call and I got like 400 emails from all over the country. And it was really like, I was like, wow. Of girls who want help with their confidence. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's so hard? It's so hard for so many girls. Um, Because we live in a patriarchal society and because so much of our self-worth in the media is about our appearance and think about Barbie dolls like what's a Barbie doll that is like not a real body and we're given that's given to us when we're like two years old you know we need to change the content that we're seeing we need to change the images that we're seeing and I think that we've made such strides you know since and I especially working at a place like Refinery29 like it's such an inclusive diverse place where we're putting out that kind of content but it made me realize that like being fat is not a bad thing and we should not talk about our bodies like that Mm -hmm. and that we have so much more to offer than the way we look and but it's tough I mean we we I mean I think about like when I was in middle school and all the girls in my class we we would do the homework we would raise our hands we're probably the most talkative people in the class we're the girls how does that happen and then we you know fast forward to the workplace and all the top leadership positions are men Mm -hmm. what happened there where is that drop off and I think it's because we lose our confidence because we feel the need that we need to attain this level of perfection and that if we're not perfect, then we're not worthy of whatever right. we want to do. We tie image to our possibility, our chance of success. How do I look? Do I look the, do I look the part? Am I dressed to the nines? Whatever it is. Whereas men are just, am I qualified on paper? They get the job. No one cares how they look. But they're not even, they don't even have to be qualified on paper. I know. They don't. So many men are like, oh yeah. Like they walk in and they're like, yeah, I got this. Whereas women are like, ooh, I don't have experience in this. Maybe I'm not right. And they're so afraid of imposter syndrome that they don't even go for the opportunity that they want. And even if you think you do well, you're like, did it have anything to do with my looks? Did it have anything to do with this? How am I going to get treated? I had a friend who got an amazing job at a company, but she will be the only female Mm -hmm. at the firm. Mm -hmm. And that was her reason to maybe think, oh, I don't know if I want to take it. Like being the only girl in that environment would be terrible. But I said, you have to take that job. So that the next girl that interviews sees you mm-hmm. in there totally. and then takes hers. Totally. We can't be what we can't see. So it's so important to take those positions. But it's tough. I mean, the cards are really stacked against us. But I think that now, more than ever, we're really kind of like shifting. Like I can tell, you know. Now, you obviously work in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And that industry is huge on image. Mm-hmm. How has it been for you to keep up your confidence and your understanding of self-worth comes from what's inside and not what's on the outside in an industry that is pretty much the reason all the girls grew up thinking it's on the outside. Totally. I mean, it's so funny. I have I have a meeting later in LA today and I was getting dressed and I was like, do I need to cover my arms? Because I don't have like the skinniest arms. You know what I mean? I'm like, should I do you, cause I know LA like is really about image. Like does, are they going to see me differently? Like should, I literally have that thought. And this is me, someone who like preaches about like not giving a fuck. Right? Like I'm literally having those thoughts in my head and I think it's hard. I mean, I, I think that I like to call myself the queen of confidence, but I would be completely lying if I said I didn't have insecurities. I do. Like, every girl does. And anyone who says they don't is totally full of it. And I think it's important to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. I'm the same as you. I preach self-love. I preach this. I preach healthy eating. And I'll have days, like last week, where I ate a bunch of food, and my first thought was, oh my god, I ate too much. I shouldn't eat as much tomorrow. And then I was like, nope, I don't do that anymore. But you know what? I'm going to have those thoughts because that was a hard time in my life. I've been there. I'm human. It's going to happen. You're going to have a thought like that. But then checking yourself, noticing it and being like, nope, not anymore. Yeah. Is what's showing the work. And I think what a major issue is, is that we as a society view being overweight or over a certain weight, over a certain dress size 
as unhealthy or as bad. And I think that's a huge problem mm-hmm. because having more, you know, pounds on you does not, should not signify bad. You know what I mean? I think it's a really cruel way that we talk. You know, if I said, I feel so fat, what about a woman who's a size 12? How is she going to feel then? She's going to, you know, how that's not mm-hmm. fair to do that. The, that's the thing is the conversation amongst all women everywhere on TV and not on TV needs to change. Mm-hmm. I was in the dressing room at Zara two nights ago and just the conversations I'm hearing in the dressing room. There are two girls like to the right of me the talk of this doesn't look good or this isn't fit or I ate whatever. It was just bad stuff. And I think I used to be like, oh yeah, this is dressing room talk. Like I say the same stuff, but now it's on my radar and I'm like, ah, that's not good for the conversation. What if a girl to the dressing room to your right is working really hard on not having that dialogue and then you're just proclaiming it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're doing it with intention. Like no one's out to get another girl, but Mm -hmm. But they're not thinking. Right. Right. I think talking about like, it's not okay to just say like, ah, I gotta like purge. I gotta whatever. Like it's not... It's not cool anymore and it's not the lingo we should be using because it's harmful and it kind of contributes to this culture of toxicity and hating ourselves. I think that's an issue too is it's like cool to hate ourselves. If you see memes, they're like, oh, my summer body Mm. or gotta, gotta eat this or mental health memes, especially like me, my whole, it's like when your heart is black inside and no one knows it, mm-hmm. it's like a funny picture of SpongeBob or something like that. Right. And then people send that around and they like it. And it's cool to be anxious and depressed and not seek help about it and laugh about it. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I never thought about the memes as that kind of perpetuating that culture, but I totally agree with you. I mean, I also just think it's so unattractive when people speak badly about themselves. Like, I just think it's so like, why waste your time speaking poorly about yourself? Like, why do that? Because I really do believe that confidence does come from positive affirmation. I think that those shower curtains my mom hung up really did help me become the woman I am today. So I think that if you kind of cut out that negativity and it's okay to obviously have a bad day, but for the most part you need to lift yourself up. And I tell girls this all the time, like get in front of the mirror, like get naked or put on like a sexy swimsuit or like a bra set or something that makes you feel beautiful. Put on lip gloss, play music and really just like get in the zone with yourself. And I think that if you continue to do that, it really will help you. It's kind of like a, I think the SFK thing was a fake it till you make it. And I think I've made it. And I think that anyone has the capability of doing that. I think confidence is a choice and anyone can do it. Anyone. You know what I mean? So like, um, I really, I do believe that. I think that we need to change the conversation. The thing that comes up in my head when you say, I don't understand why they talk badly about themselves. I think it's because if we do talk positively about ourselves, we're viewed as conceited. That girl loves herself so much. Or I can't believe she just said that she looks really good tonight. Mm. And it almost feels like you can't win. It's like cutting yourself down is the cool thing. And then everyone's like, no, like don't say that. But then the minute you're like, I love myself. They're like, she's overbearing or she's coming on too strong. Right. Which I get all the time, but I don't care. How do you deal with haters or people that just say, oh, I don't like SFK? I mean, everyone loves SFK. (laughs) No, I mean, I just, I don't care. Like, I just don't care. If you don't like me, I literally, I'm, I, I I just don't. Do you really not care though? Because I say I don't care, but I think about it. I think about the negative comment. I, the one DM or comment I get, I really, I don't care, but I think about it and it gets me because I'm like, why don't you like me? (laughs) I mean, I think that I struggled with that. I'm an only child. So like my friends were like, you know, my family and I did struggle with not like not being liked and like that kind of anxiety that that creates. You're not going to be liked by everyone. You're not like, but you, but you have people that like you and that love you and that will be there for you. You cannot win them all. And like, to be honest with you, I can't, okay. 
so there was an article written me about at Duke with the whole yak yak stuff um, about being SFK. Then I went to Refinery29. I was an intern the first day. And apparently that article was sent to everyone. And three years after the fact, I know that a lot of the people that read that article before they met me didn't like me. They didn't. Because they like were like, who is this SFK girl? Thinks she's hot shit. Like, da 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 And I was just like... And I knew that some people had read the article, but I did not let that affect me. I was like, I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to do the work. I, I sometimes say this and I do believe it. I think that, you know, there's obviously exceptions to this. I think no press is about press. I would rather people talk about me because they're talking about me. Like I want to be known. Like I want to be known for the work I'm doing. I know I'm a good person. I know that what I'm talking about is a positive thing and I love myself. And if that's a problem with you, it's not about me. It's about you. You know what I mean? Like when we criticize and judge people, it's usually because we're upset with something about ourselves and we want to feel better about ourselves. So we put other people down. So if you, you're putting me down, then like fine. But why don't you concentrate on yourself? You know, right. you're not going to win everyone, but it's important to win the people that you, that you really care about and love. And I have made mistakes and I have made, you know, captions that offended people or whatever. And I have that conversation with them and I'm like, okay, you're right. I made a mistake and you're, you, you have to be willing to admit defeat and when you're wrong. But like, I have a feeling that as I grow, and I will grow, and I will take over the world, that I'm, there's going to be plenty of people that don't like me, and I literally just don't care. Then don't like me. Like, because I guess what? There's so many people that do. And what really stuck with me was when you said, I know who I am at my core. And I think if you can go to sleep at night thinking, I have my good morals, I know what happened in that room, I know what happened at that event, whatever, and I'm okay with it, and mm-hmm. that's me, then that's okay. And not everyone's going to know the story. And that's something I've had to remind myself about. I recently had something happen where people were thinking negatively of me, and I just thought, okay, well, my family knows the truth, my best friends know the truth, my boyfriend knows the truth, I don't care what anyone who doesn't know me thinks. And I think, yeah, if you know that you have good intentions, and you meant something well, and it didn't come out right, and whatever, like... You have to own up to it. I mean, I think that it's hard right now because we live in a very much of like a cancel culture. Like you do one wrong thing and everyone's like, eh, that person. Like the whole James Charles YouTube debacle was like crazy. And I ordered a sister sweatshirt the month before that happened. That's so funny. And then when her video came out, I was like, oh my God, we cannot return. And then when his video came out, I was like, wait, I feel you. I was like, this wasn't really hard. I'm sure you could sell it for a lot. But that's the thing. We do live on kind of on edge, right? Like. Are we going to say something? You know, it's funny. I Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and I follow each other on Instagram. I don't know how she follows me. She's, I, I, what? I met her at a panel and I like cried to her face. And like, I think that kind of made an impression. <laughs> um, and she put out a video recently about, you know, terrorism and how we view um, white per- perpetrators of terrorism versus people of color, whatever. It was an amazing video. And I literally re- comment on it like, so proud of you, mommy. Because I'm Latina. I'm like, we just, you know, it's a term of endearment, whatever. I cannot believe, like, the comments I got back being like, how dare you call her mommy? She's a member of Congress. Like, who are you? You're white. Like, you have no right. And I was like, I know I might be white, but my mom is from Argentina. I'm fluent in Spanish. I'm Latina. Like, my entire family lives there. So, and I said, like, as someone who's also Latina, like, that's how we call people that we love. It was meant as a term of endearment, not as an offense. Like, also, it's not a derogatory word. But... It was amazing just like the, so like talk about haters. It was just like so many people. Did she see that? Was she able to chime in? She didn't see it. I don't want her to see it. I also hated that I was kind of like in this like war because I'm never get involved. But everyone obviously stood up for me and it just kind of shows you like 
don't be so quick to judge. Don't criticize. Like, I wasn't, you know what I mean? But also, like, I didn't go there. I'm like, oh, my God, everyone hates me. I felt like I knew what I did was right. And I felt, like, at my core, like, I did something completely fine. Mm-hmm. And I just said it to her face. It is a term of endearment. Of course. Culture. And I'm like, and we're, you know, and someone responded, like, this is why she follows Serena and not you, to the person that kind of started the whole thing. And it was really funny. Wow. But in the end of the day, like, I, like, thought, you know, I didn't react quickly. I thought, I was like, okay, did I offend? What was my intention here? Is this okay? Should I apologize? You know, I think willing to own up to defeat is like something that a lot of people don't do, which is totally. weird. Especially at the workplace, I realize that like so many people are like, but, but, like, I, but you, you told me, or like, I didn't, but it was this, you know, I'm like, why don't you just say you're, you're, you're wrong? wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal. Just say you messed up. But again, it's like insecurity. It's like, yeah. it's okay to say you messed up. Totally. But in that case, I didn't. I learned that, I think, in my relationships with family, with uh, my boyfriend, with my best friends, like just being able to say, you're right, I'm totally wrong. Or, hey, I started this fight because I was in a really bad mood about something else. It has nothing to do with you. This is on me. Exactly. And that's something I didn't have in high school. It's something I didn't have in the beginning of college because you, you, you're you not so secure with yourself that you don't want to be wrong. Right. And I think being stubborn, if, if you're... I have friends who are like, oh, I'm known to be stubborn. I'm like, that's not even a funny thing. Like, then let's work on that because right. being stubborn is never a quality that I think is going to either allow you to grow or like realize your wrongs or really sit in that uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. The uncomfortability is where we're going to grow. And that happens with like our body image with, you know, if you eat a lot of food and it feels bad and you don't like it, like that's uncomfortable. But can you just sit there and be compassionate with yourself and learn from that situation as opposed to handling it like in an unhealthy way? Totally. I also think that food is a nu- nutrient. It's, it's, we're supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. I think we need to get away from the, if you eat too much food, like obviously I think it's important to not, you know, overeat to the point you're feeling sick, but like we need to change the conversation around food. Food is good for us. Totally. I don't think young girls are getting taught how to have a relationship with food. Mm-hmm. That's healthy. They're being told eat at this time, this time, this time. Don't eat these foods or like eat this or this month we're doing paleo, this month we're doing the whole, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that's all just BS. Like Mm -hmm. no one's telling them, hey, are you hungry? Mm -hmm. What do you want to eat? Now are you full? Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Like that's the dialogue and I don't think girls are learning it and so as a result they're watching like Kardashian snap stories where like joking about not eating is like a compliment from Mm -hmm. Kendall to Kim or whatever it is and then they think that that's beauty Mm -hmm. and that's how they can attain the body that is actually being um, stitched by plastic surgeons down the street right exactly yeah I think that we need to change the conversation and you're doing a great job look at your podcast I think it's like having these role models for young girls to realize that like you are sexy, you are beautiful, and whatever body type you have. I mean, the reason why I I posted an Instagram um, around Christmas, which was kind of my big coming out as like Serena, not SFK. Ooh. And um, it was a a picture of me, and I was in a studio. I'm like topless. It's from the back, though, so you can't see my boobs. Oh, I think I saw this. Right. And on the the pants, it says SFK, and like stitched in their Levi's jeans, and in red, it says SFK. And I really wanted to take the picture because one, once I put on the jeans and I felt super sexy when I got them and I was like, oh, like I feel beautiful. But then I was like, oh, but I'm not like, you know, a size two and like, I'm, you know, still curvy. Like would I facetune this if I, you know, put up the picture or whatever. And then I put it up and I realized I was like, I I wanted to put up this picture to show one, I didn't facetune it and two, like. I wanted to explain that, like, SFK was a crutch that I feel like I needed to project confidence onto myself, you know, when I wasn't feeling that way. And that this year I wanted to make a promise to put myself out there more. I mean, 
I'm known now for my like Q&As on Instagram and my stories and just being super ratchet, super fun, super out there, super raw. But I didn't used to be like that. Like I used to post Instagram stories with like the Snapchat filter on it because I couldn't have them see my real face. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right. So this was a big moment for me. And the amount of like love I got in response. And I also think that this is something I really learned that like when you feel ashamed about something, keeping it a secret is the worst thing you can do because it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you feel like you're really like hiding this part about yourself. The second I put outwards that I haven't been that confident, SFK was a crush that I was using, the amount of outpour of love and support mm-hmm. and like sending saying like SFK or Serena, like we love you. Like that's when I was like, oh my God, like whenever you feel insecure or ashamed about something, put it out into the world. Right. You asked me before this podcast, you said like, how have you developed your following? Like, what was that like? And the truth is I didn't have, I didn't have a sub like a conscious, I'm going to do these things to get followers, start a brand. No, right. I thought I was going to be a sports reporter, whatever. Right. But when I went through my depression and my anxiety, I started posting about it because I felt like I wasn't living my truth because my Instagram was so fake. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I want my Instagram to be me. And I started putting about, posting about depression. I started posting about insecurities. I started posting about anxiety. anxiety, And more people started to follow me. More people started to comment and like because they're also craving yeah. the truth. Amen. Yeah. And I think that my, like I had someone the other day call me and say, I've been going through this. I'm nervous to like come forward about it on social. And I'm thinking, dude, the amount of love you're going to get, that's going to be your most popular post. And I'm not saying we should use that to like right. glorify it in any way. But the point is that when you are yourself and you embrace your imperfections, everyone else can only look at that with respect and like support. I totally agree. I think that you, people are craving realness and rawness. And I think it's important to kind of put that out there. So what would your advice be for someone who doesn't feel as confident as listening to this? Like, oh my God. Serena just said she wasn't that confident. Now she's the queen. How did I get there? Also self-proclaimed, by the way. Like, yes. I don't really give that title no, to myself. No, but I love that. I will refer you queen over Beyonce to me any days. I'm not, I'm not in the beehive. The beehive's so. gonna kill you! I know. Okay, maybe I should take I, it out. Whatever. I'm leaving it in because if the haters come for me, I don't care. Well, I love the beehive. I love bee. She's a different type of queen. She's like the queen queen. Um, but back to the advice. Back to the advice. I mean, I think, one, find your tribe. Find someone who, when you're feeling... I remember when I was in sleepaway camp, I used to um, get so nervous when I'd go in the pool that like, you know, you know, you can get like snot like in the pool, like it's just like the water. You just have, you have boogers all over your face and no one tells you. So <laughs> I used to have this code with this one girl, like we go like kind of, I can't, like, we have a camera here. It's like this, you know, like you touch I just, your nose. you touch your nose, like, or, or maybe it was like a tapping of the nose or something like to be like, are we good? And she's like, yeah, check. <laughs> Are we good with the boogies? Yeah, are we good with it? Literally. And we would check. And it was, like, great. And I felt, like, all of a sudden, like, okay, now I can be confident and in the pool and whatever when I totally wasn't. But that was, like, so I think that that's the same thing. Like, you need someone that you can have that check with. Not about burgers, but just about, like, you know, I've been, I've said to Maddie, like, 400 times, like, I feel so bad. I feel so overweight. I feel so this. And, like, she just really, like, assures me. She's, like, no, you're so beautiful. You're so smart. Like, you're so, you look amazing. Like, whatever. And, like, I don't care if she's lying to me or not, but, like, you need that person because I genuinely believe her when she tells me. Like, she just says it with such conviction. So, one, find your tribe. I think that's so important. Two, I think it's important to do for positive affirmations. It might seem like a load of bull crap, but, like, it's literally not. Like, I think, like, writing something, you know, on a post-it or, like, saying it out loud to yourself I think it's such a fake it till you make it thing I, I I really do it seems so pathetic when you're like what I'm literally gonna look in the mirror and say I love myself yeah no, you yeah, are yeah, yeah. No, I, do did that, I did that this morning in my underwear I have my underwear on and I was like I look 
fire. And I was like doing some power poses. Shay came over. I opened the door with my bra and just like, I want to hang in this bra for a little bit. There you go. But before you jump to three, I want to ask you a question about one. So one was find your tribe and you're saying how Maddie really like helps you feel beautiful and all that. Has there been a moment where Maddie has been like, yo, I don't like that outfit or, and then, and then are you like, no, but I like the outfit. Of course. I mean, I think that that's fine. I obviously also want honesty. Like I've said to her, I'm like, what do you think? And sometimes she's like, honestly, I don't know if that's the most flattering for you or whatever. Or like for, like for her too. I mean, sometimes her outfits, I'm like, girl, you got to get back in that closet. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think it's important to have someone who's honest with you. But I think that when it comes to it, it's like my insecurities are completely irrational. Like you, anyone, any woman who's like, I'm too fat. I'm not cool. Boys don't want to hook up with me. Like that's, that's not true. Like that's not true. Like, everyone is amazing in the way they are. So I think it's important to have someone reinforce, like, the positivity. But that's not to say that the change is a lie to your face. Right. I, well, I think you need the tribe to, to have positive dialogue, not be cutting each other down, not be cutting themselves down. But then if the tribe isn't doesn't, like, verbally validate you, you should still be like, whatever. I know that I'm hot shit. Totally. Time. But why wouldn't they be validating you? you yeah. Then I mean? I've never had a friend... Except maybe in high school when I didn't say, like, mm, like you could lose it. Like, that F that. What? Yeah, oh my god. I and it's going back to the idea. Never. And it's going back to the idea that fat is bad, which it's not. And I guess my third one would be, um, at the end of the day, I think that confidence is a choice. Life is short. Everything is a choice, right? Right. But, like, you know, I think that we, like, girls are like, how do I become confident? It seems so hard. No, literally, you just decide. Um, you literally can just be like, okay, like I love myself today. Just keep telling yourself that and it eventually will happen. Um, but also it's like, you know, whether it's going up to a boy that like you like and asking him out or a girl, um, or, you know, going to the beach in a bikini, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? That's what you have to ask Right. Or going for a job that maybe you're not the most qualified for. What is the worst thing that can happen? You get fired. Okay, cool. You'll find another job. The boy will reject you. Fine. You'll find another guy. You'll wake up the next day. Right. It's like, I think that we just are like, the fear is what drives the insecurity. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, I went on a date two nights ago and the guy didn't kiss me at the end of the date. And I felt like so, like, I really felt rejected. I was like surprised because I... I I think really, see, I'm so, I'm, I would think that a kiss on the first date that he might be thinking, oh, is that too much? Will she think I'm just here for the kiss? Let me give you some context. I always like fully make out. I like hump them on the first date. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But no, no, no. I like making out on the first date. Like I I just... You need, like, are you a good kisser? Because if not, we can't proceed. I'm probably the best kisser right now. No, no, not you. I mean the guy. That's what you're thinking. You're like, I need to test this guy out. Just so everyone knows I'm an amazing kisser. Yeah, no. She's the queen of kissing as well. I'm the queen of kissing. No, I know. I mean, I, I just, I, it's a normal thing that I do. You're right. And you're right. Maybe he thought it was too much. Maybe he didn't feel comfortable or maybe, but my mind immediately went to, he didn't want to kiss me. I'm not good enough. No, no, no. It's crazy. And my friend responded being like, are you getting me? All the stuff you preach about confidence and like, you know, like being happy with yourself is going literally down the toilet because this guy didn't kiss you. Like you don't understand the context. And I was like, oh my God, you're so right. So I think that, you know, and then I realized I was like, okay, you know, let's say this guy wasn't the guy. Who cares? Like, what is the worst thing ever that I'm never going to see him again? It's not that, it's not like he like, you know, swept me off my feet. Right. Like, I think we just put too much pressure on ourselves. You know what I mean? And we make up these stories and these assumptions about what someone else is thinking or, or what their motive is. And then we convince ourselves that's the truth. You're like, 
Oh my god. Well, we always bring it back to ourselves. Yes. It must have been me. I must have said something wrong. I must not be pretty enough. I must have worn the wrong thing. Why? Literally, I feel like people think that a lot too. It's like people think that everyone's thinking about them, but really people are just No one is thinking about you. Everyone is thinking about themselves. I know. That's right? like one of the most amazing things to realize. Like when you go to the party and you're like, no one here cares about me at all. That's a good thing. You can either be like, ah, oh, no one cares about me or oh my gosh, no one cares about me. So I'm going to be myself. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. And the people will come. And if not, I don't care. Yeah. I think that's also a great way to approach life. I I don't know about you. I've been I've had like an existential crisis, especially when I went through my depression. I would just lay in bed like, what's the point? Make money, die, have a family, whatever, die. I was like, I don't know yeah. why I'm here. What's, what's the point? And I saw this uh, like meme, a good one though. And it said something like, it was like a, a stick figure that was really sad. And he was like, oh, there's no point of life. And then there was a stick figure like celebrating like, there's no point of life. You can do anything you want. You can meet this person, go for this job, have this conversation, like enjoy it because if there is, you know, whatever it is, you can view it optimistically. Totally. I think so too. I think always trying to put a positive spin on things is really important. I also think it's really important to find to do what you love um, in life. My parents really like honed that in from a young age. Like that time for them was more valuable than making money. Like wh- how are you going to spend your life? Like you spend most, the majority of your life at work. So what is that work going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, hopefully if you get really good at whatever that is, the money will come, which luckily for my parents, they are financially stable and like have an amazing life, but they really decided first that they wanted to be, you know, producers, artists, whatever. Because when you die, do you want to die next to, like, you know, a briefcase full of money or looking back at your life and being like, wow, like, look at the impact that I made. And I think that a lot of the reason why also, so another thing had to be confident. I think when you enter the workplace, find something that you really love to do because when you start to, when you love something that you do, it doesn't feel like work Mm -hmm. and then you succeed and then that validation you get from succeeding is just will go beyond anything else other than probably motherhood, but I don't never, I'm not there and I'm not going to be there for a while. And I know that when I'm a mom, I'm also going to be working. Sometimes I wake up like, I want a kid. Other days I wake up like five years from now. I don't even (laughs) want a dog. (laughs) All I want is me and I want to succeed at what I do and I love what I do. So I think that that is a big thing for, and I think that in college, like, you know, I didn't like, I wasn't super fulfilled by what I was taking my classes and you have so much free time. So that I think went into the like, guys, 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 give me validation. And then when you leave college and you're focusing on what you love, the validation comes from What would your advice be to any of the girls listening to this podcast? Like, okay, I just got my degree or I majored in this. I have this job, whatever. This is, this is the path I'm on or girls who are currently working that job or in high school who thought they had it and now they're changing their mind. What would you say to someone like that who doesn't love what they're planning to do? I mean, I think that life is really long. Your career is a marathon, not a sprint. My mom became a doctor in Argentina and literally went to medical school, residency, became a psychiatrist, decided literally after she finished that she wanted to move to the United States. After medical school. After medical school and go to film school. And now she's a producer at MTV and VH1. So it's like, she, she was a great example for me to see that like, you 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 can change you can pivot and you can do but you have to follow what you love to do and she realized she didn't want to be a doctor and so many people said to her you just wasted so much time like you know and she was like no I didn't it brought me to where I am today yes that is the thing it's not a waste of time especially athletes athletes think if I don't make it to this league if I don't make it pro if I don't win this tournament all those years that that grind is a waste it's not a waste because oh my it's God, your no. experiences it's made you who you are work ethic I dated an athlete a tennis player and his work ethic was unbelievable to me. He went to practice. 
matches homework library like it's no joke I actually I know that in finance like they really look for athletes because it's like they're you guys have a very regimented lifestyle that like is amazing for work I mean I and passion and teamwork too yeah I mean I think that that's quite the opposite and I think that it's like it's everything I believe everything happens for a reason and I believe that things are just are like they come and go and it doesn't mean that you know it's all up to fate and no free will I think you need to be active about what you want in your life but like you can't look at something like, oh, that was such a waste of time, you know? Whatever the craft, whatever, however totally. however much money your mom put in medical school, however much time you've been at a company and the promotions around the corner, if you don't want, the, the thought of that promotion makes you want to cry, let's do something else. Cut, I, next, I yeah. feel the same way as you. Like, yeah. I just want every girl to chase that dream and not just conform to the money or this is what my parents wanted me to do or this is where I put my time. Totally, because I really do believe that if you become the best at what you do, the money will come. And I also believe that the more time you waste not doing what you really want to do, someone else is going to become better than you at it. When did you realize that this was what you wanted to do? I think from a young age, I always loved performing. Um, I really wanted to be an actress when I was little, like really badly. My parents really steered me away from being a child star, and I'm so glad. But I think it is really difficult to be grow up at a young age and have everyone say yes to you all the time and have all of this attention on you and you're also the person making money for your family. I think it's a really, really intense position to put someone at such a young age. Mm-hmm. It's not a normal childhood. So my parents really reared me to be like, no, if you want to be an actress, you go to act, you know, you go to school. But they also, then I was like, okay, I want to go to like the high school performing arts in New York. And they're like, no, you're going to go to normal school. You're going to go to a normal college and then you can decide. And I think that was the best thing that they ever... At the time, were you really upset? Yeah, 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 I was upset, but I also, like, you know, I trusted my parents, and, and I also, you know, they said, they're like, you can go to acting school on Saturdays, and I was like, no, and I was like, oh, they're like, okay, that's your choice, you know what I mean? Like, I'm they, either going full-time or I'm not doing anything. No, but it's, it, but they, it, they had a point, it's like, if you really want something, you'll make it work, and I think that that's with anything, like, if, it's just making excuses, I think it's like, we're so afraid of failure that we're willing to you know, say we failed before it even happened, right? Like, oh, I can't possibly go to the gym, you know, because I'm too tired. But maybe it's really, like, speaking to the fact that we're scared to go to the gym. We're scared to go to the gym alone. I know a lot of women, like, are scared. Like, what are they going to look like doing the weights? You know what I mean? And again, like, go with a friend. Like, there's things that you can do now to feel better. And in terms of just, like, what I want to do, I think that this is important to hit on because a lot of girls ask me, like, they say, I want to be a host. Like, I want to be in front of the camera. And from a young age, my parents were like, if you want to be in front of the camera, if you want to be an actress, write your own, write your own stuff, produce, direct, come up with your own ideas. You need to have active agency over what you're in and what you're doing. I think that, I mean, I applaud all the people trying to be actors and actresses, but I don't like the idea of sitting and waiting for someone to tell me if I'm right for something. I want to do it myself. So that's why at Refinery29, like, I just, I want to be in front of the camera. Cool. I started creating tons of content where I ended up being in front of the camera, but I was producing that content. You know what I mean? I majored in journalism, so similar to you, I thought I wanted to be a host on, like, a sports network, and I remember thinking, like, okay, great, like, I can, I know I can talk well, and, like, I can look the part, whatever, cool, give me the microphone. Newsflash, that's not how it works. You gotta learn how to cut your own film, shoot your own film, write your own copy, like, edit the video, go out and find it, bring the equipment. It's not, it's work. no one is handing you anything, and I think it's so important to, I want it, and then I was like, yes, I want to learn how to do all this stuff, because I want to be self-made, self-sufficient, and obviously my career path has changed, but same thing, like, we're shooting video, we're we're writing the captions we're posting them we're in charge of everything I don't have anyone doing that for me because you know you want to I think it's important as women to appreciate that part of the industry and want to be self-made and not want to have someone else need to help us Mm -hmm. I agree I agree well thank you so much this was amazing thank you I I think I want to end with what is the best advice you have ever gotten from someone 
it is that no one will love you until you love yourself. And I think that, you know, you obviously could be in a relationship or whatever, but I think that it's so important to love yourself. It's so important to feel like you, like you're just completely happy alone. And then you're able to kind of like, you know, move and be in a relationship or like go for a job you want. But I just think it's just so important to be alone and be like, I'm happy, you know? And I think life is too short not to. And someone said that to me when I was in camp crying after the kid called me fat. And like, she was like, I was like, no one wants to go with me. And she's like, yeah, because you don't love yourself. So when you do, then people will start to notice. And she was right. Because now I'm hooking up with everyone. I love it. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on Hashtag RealPod. And that was a great full circle moment because we talked about that in the beginning. Thank you so much for of having course. me. I loved it. You're super smart. And I love that you're doing this. It's really important. Oh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for making it to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And maybe you're thinking about what your alter ego name is going to be now. Like I was like, oh my gosh, SFK, that is so cool. Can I have a cool alter ego name? But I couldn't think of anything, anything cool. But (laughs) maybe you guys have. So if you liked this, you can subscribe and give it five stars and leave me a rating. I love to know what you guys think. And make sure you're following RealPod on Instagram. And also if you want to follow Serena on Instagram, her username is Serena Kerrigan. Thank you guys for tuning in.